Their jerseys may not hang in the rafters in Staples Center, but they hang in our hearts. You're listening to the Forgotten Lakers podcast. Doing great, man. Doing great. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. You, you know me. I, I believe the gold. I, I believe the, <laughs> the purple and gold. <laughs> yeah, so let me tell you a little bit about the podcast. I started it, gosh, almost two years ago, uh, talking to yeah. former Lakers like yourself. I've done about 35, 36 episodes with either former players or a couple uh, longtime Lakers staffers like Andy Bernstein and the the old radio play-by-play guy Spiro Ditas. Um, just talking about their time in L.A., uh, you know, their history with basketball and what they're doing now. Um, It's been a lot of fun. I talked to a lot of your uh, former teammates, uh, Tracy Murray, Joe Crispin, um, Mike Penberthy, Devin George, uh, Samaki Walker, and even some of your old uh, just guys who are in training camp with you, like Paul Shirley and Peter Cornell. I did episodes with them. Oh, that's awesome. Those are good guys, man. Yeah, yeah, they were great. They had great stories to tell um, even the training camp guys who were there for a couple of weeks just about, you know, whether it was their impressions of Phil Jackson or, uh, you know, being a Laker for three weeks and all that entails, and they were a lot of fun. What a cool podcast. That's awesome. You've been doing that. That's so cool. Yeah, uh, it's been so much fun. Like, uh, it was always kind of in the back of my mind uh, – that I wanted to do it, and then I was just kind of lazy about figuring out all the logistics. But then I got, I got tasked with my uh, at my day job with starting a podcast, and I saw how easy it was. And then it just kind of was like, oh, let me email Tracy Murray or somebody, and it, he said yes. And then all these guys started saying yes, and it built up pretty quick. That's cool. So how many uh, subscribers do you have? Uh, so <laughs> funny. another guy was just asking me that. Another former player. Um, Oh, you would know him. You were the coach then, Jabari Brown. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jabari, good dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so when I when I release one, it initially gets about three to four hundred downloads almost immediately, and then it slowly trickles up from there. So that gives me a good yeah. estimate of like maybe three, four hundred subscribers. Uh, I'm trying to grow it. Like I, you know, tweet about it. I I have an accompanying Instagram just talking, or just posting you know, highlights of the guys I'm talking to, if I can find some on YouTube or wherever, or just little photos of from their playing days. And that has about, I think, maybe 1,100 followers, something like that. Oh, that's cool. Uh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been fun. And, uh, I mean, you've been – I didn't even know how I could even attempt to try to get a hold of you until uh, you got your new role at Utah Valley and then was able to <laughs> thought, it might, <laughs> thought it might be a shot yeah. now. There might be a shot to get yeah. you on. No, that's cool, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. No, thanks. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited to, I'm excited to talk Lakers stuff. It's you know, it's interesting. My guys up here, they, they love you know talking about the NBA, who's going to win the whole thing, and I always, I always tell them, I say, guys, Lakers are going to, Lakers, we're going to win it. <laughs> that's what oh, I yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I sure hope so. Um, yeah, I'm a lifelong fan, even though I'm from Dallas. Uh, when I was little, Shaq was my favorite player when he was on Orlando. And I just followed him to the Lakers and stayed ever since. That's awesome. That's awesome, Jeff. Very cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so uh, how did this uh, – I guess we'll start with more or less what you're doing now. How did this uh, opportunity at Utah Valley present itself? Well, it's uh, – you know, basically Utah Valley called me and, and told me they were putting together a list of candidates to interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of towards, towards the end of our Lakers season. Um, so yep. they reached out and – you know, I, I, I said, I love the NBA. And I love the NBA because it's the highest level of competition. 
you know, you're coaching the best players and it's, it's a fantastic league. And so I, 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 the, the interim athletic director at the time, Jared Sumption called me and I said, Jared, give me an hour. I'm going to talk it over with my wife. So we talked about it and we just, you know, we looked at the school. It's, it's the largest school in the state of Utah. Utah mm-hmm. Valley is. It's the fastest growing school in the state of Utah. It, it has a tremendous, tremendous basketball tradition. They've turned out pros. Oh, cool. So it's D1? It's the NBA. Uh, it, it is D1. It is D1. Okay. Um, but <clears throat> after we talked about it briefly, we said, let's, let's go for it. So we threw our name in the hat. And, you know, I, they flew me up there. I had an hour-long interview. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they, they had maybe other people they had to interview the next day. And I remember thinking, you know, hey, I hope I get it. And so they, they oh, finished cool. the rest of their interviews and they, and they, they, they called me later and, and they, and, and they offered me the job, you know? So. Uh, That's awesome. Congratulations. And, yeah, no, thanks. Thanks. So it, it worked out great. I informed the Lakers that they gave me permission to interview and it's, uh, it kind of, you know, a- after they finished their process and their due diligence on the candidates, it went fast. And so when I was up there, I just dived right in. I, I think, you know, I interviewed on a, I think I, what happened? Did I fly up here on a Wednesday, interviewed on a Thursday? And then by the time they made their decision, um, things went fast. And, and and then I was up here on a Sunday addressing the team. Oh, wow. <laughs> Where I'm assuming just your history as a player and your role as an assistant coach of the Lakers for so, for so long probably – uh, carries a lot of cachet with your team. Well, I think anytime you can bring pro-level player development, pro-level X's and O's, I, I think it it's something that that resonates with players. You, you know, I know that when I was in college, I had great coaches. When I was at Stanford, Mike Montgomery and his staff were—I mean, you talk about a world-class staff. Those guys are world-class. Mm-hmm. And so, as, as as I've built this staff here, I've really done it with an eye on player development and with an eye on X's and O's, but above all, an eye on player relations, you know, helping these players achieve their goals. Right. Well, cool. Yeah, that sounds great. I wish you guys the best of luck this upcoming season. Um, Now getting back into your, so yeah, like I said, the premise of the podcast is more or less like the history of basketball, their time in LA and what they're doing now. So uh, tackle that history. Uh, what, what age did you start playing, and when did it become from go from like this is really fun, I enjoy playing to I have a future in this? Well, I, I really started playing when I was probably in elementary school. My dad took me outside; he had built a sport court out there, and we used to go out there and play one on one together. Uh, but before that, it all started just by playing catch outside with my dad. I remember, I remember the day he threw me the basketball, and he said, uh-huh. he said. Just hold your hold your arms out and catch the ball. And I remember I caught the ball and I felt so excited. I was able to catch the ball, and so that was fun. Then we played one on one a lot of night. Um, then one night as I got older, I, I pump faked him, talking about my dad, and then I yeah. leaned into him, and I think I ended up breaking his rib. And so that kind of oh, ended yeah. our game for a little while. Yeah, that kind of ended our game. I, I felt wow. Bad. Yeah, I felt bad about it, but um. Well, no, that that kind of started, and then I ended up playing for a great high school coach, John Rayner, and uh, it just kind of built from there. 
Uh, just talking about breaking your dad's ribs. So did you always kind of have that banger style of play that you had as a Laker? <laughs> Every player has something different. Some players are great shooters. Some, some players are great passers. You look at Rondo. Some players yeah. play with physicality, and that's kind of what I that's kind of what I tried to do is just play with physicality, um, mm-hmm. play hard, play harder than my opponent, bring more energy, and try to make something happen on the court. So you touched on high school, and then so how did you settle on Stanford uh, for your co- collegiate career? You know, for me, as I was getting recruited by Stanford, I, I literally – I didn't know if I was good enough to play in the Pac-10. And so – but eventually, most of the Pac-10 started recruiting me. And so my final two schools were actually UCLA and Stanford, and I, and I felt great about that, you know, that pairing of schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, the academics at Stanford – Playing for Mike Montgomery and being close to home, all of those three things really factored in mm. to, the, to the point where it became an easy decision for me. Um, and obviously spent the four years in Stanford and loved it. Oh, cool. I was uh, eating dinner with my brother-in-law last night, who was uh, a Stanford grad, and I told him I was planning to talk to you this week. And he overlapped with you for a couple of years. I think you're a couple of years older than him, but uh, he was a big basketball fan. He was really excited. Small world, yeah. That's a small yeah. world, yeah. There was, uh, you know, Stanford was a basketball school for a while there. I mean, there was uh-huh. a nice little run of, of guys, kind of starting with Brevin Knight, all the way, all the way through the Lopez twins and Landry Fields. It was, it was oh right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you're there for all four years. Enter the 2000 NBA draft. Uh, so were you? I mean, did you have a? trying to remember like if you were going to be projected to go I know you were towards the end you might have been even been the last pick of the first round or one of them um were you pro- like uh projected to go in the first or second round or were you thinking that the Lakers were a real possibility in that slot for you you know it's interesting because during the draft process I, you look at the I looked at the projections from time to time just to kind of get a feel for what the media was thinking yeah I was kind of bouncing around from that late first round to early second. I know I went out to the Bulls and at the time the Bulls general manager told me, he said, you know, we could see you sneaking into the 20s, to the early 20s, you know, 20 to 25. Yeah. So I'm sitting sitting there during the draft and I'm seeing guys picked where I'm saying to myself, I'm I'm better than that guy. And that's not meant to be, um, you know, cocky or arrogant, but it it was just a belief that, that, that I believed I was better than certain guys going higher than me. Um, but again, I'm sure people thought that about me when I was picked, but that's the way competition is. Mm-hmm. Um, as the draft progressed, I think about the 25th or 26th pick, I got a, a, the phone rang and it was John Black from the Lakers. Uh, John it. Black called me. Yeah. And he said, he said, just so you know, prepare yourself. We are going to pick you with our pick I think it was the 29th pick yeah and I was so excited I tried to stay composed on the phone but I was excited so I went back out you know I went back out to the tv my my friends and family were there and I didn't say anything because you you know you never really know things can change Uh and so they David Stern got up there and he he announced my name and then the phone rang again it was Phil Jackson oh my gosh basically yeah, we had a short call. He just said, hey, we're really excited. Uh, we, we think you can help us. We're really excited. Um, so that's kind of started my career at the Lakers. 
so when that happens, like how quickly does it move? Like, are you in LA like the next day or is it like a couple of days, a couple of weeks? Like how, what happens when you get drafted? Well, the way it works is you get drafted, then you got to sign the contract. And so my okay. agent went through the negotiation with the Lakers and, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't much negotiation because typically there's kind of a set pay scale, but there's a little bit of a negotiation in the sense that agents try to negotiate a lump sum for their players, you know, just to give them a little bump right away. And so, and so that, that took place with me, signed the contract, and then I was down in summer league four or five days later. Wow. <laughs> so cool. So yeah, your so your rookie year, they're coming off the first uh, championship of the three P in two thousand. Your rookie year is two thousand two thousand one. Um, so what were your initial impressions walk, coming into that summer league and then eventually training camp of, you know, Phil Jackson, your teammates, and the uh, I guess the culture as a whole of the Laker organization. I'll go back to my first time with the entire team together in training camp. Phil brought us into the back room. He called it the Warrior Room. And he had a lot of he had a lot of Native American art, Native American uh, tomahawks, headdresses back back in that warrior room. Uh, Phil obviously ha- having grown up in the Dakotas, he, he had a connection with you know the Native American culture, a rich culture. And so we were back there, and he had everyone go around, basically everybody go around the room and say something. And so I, you know I'm, I'm listening to what people are going to say. Um, I basically told the guys, I said, guys, I want to be a sponge and try to learn from all of you. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing, I wish I would have written down what everybody said because I forgot. But I do remember this, that uh, Phil got in front of the whole room and said, you know, Shaquille, we're coming off a championship. And Shaquille, I've challenged you to share your personality more with the media. Uh-huh. And, and you've, done, you've done that, Shaq, and I want you to do that even more. And, you know, I mean, the year before, Shaq was calling himself the big Aristotle. And, and, and Shaq just really, I don't know if Shaq was doing it because Phil encouraged him or if that was just the person that Shaq was. But I think Shaq did start to show his personality more with the media, with the fans. And obviously, you talk about one of the most beloved figures in all of sports, that's Shaquille O'Neal. Mm-hmm. I guess that he was my favorite uh, player as a kid, so. I still have like all my cards of him, jerseys that I had growing up. So yeah, he was he was my hoops hero. <laughs> I love him. I love him. Well, what a great player! What a great guy! And you look what he's doing now, on and off the court, business wise, media wise. I mean, the guy just continues to do great things. So yeah, rookie year. I know that was maybe not the start of the Kobe Shaq drama. I think they'd have some stuff going on earlier, but it definitely blew up in the first half of that season. What what do you remember about that? Just kind of the day to day stuff of the locker room when that was going on in the media every day. Well, I, I just remember that the media always wanted to make something out of it, and mm-hmm. sometimes there wasn't that much to make. Um, yeah. Shaq and Kobe had a tremendous professional relationship. They worked mm-hmm. well together on the court. Sure, were they going to hang out? At all times off the court, no, they, they weren't going to do that. But, but they had a great working relationship. During the years I was there, we had a lot of success. Those guys yeah. carried carried and shouldered a lot of the burden, and mm-hmm. everybody was lifted 
you got the saying, a rising tide lifts all boats. And I'll tell you, when those two guys were in sync, that tide was coming in, and everyone was benefiting from players to coaches to management to fans to the community. Yeah, so you guys go on to that 2001 playoff run, that one loss to Philadelphia. It was cool. I did, um, I guess he wasn't there when you were a Laker. But he was on the Sixers, Jermaine Jones, and then he came back as a Laker a few years later. So it was interesting getting, you know, his dynamic from Philadelphia's point of view in that series. What do you remember specifically about your first title, that that series of Philadelphia, other than you know Iverson in Game One? I just remember the, the celebra- I remember the celebration in the locker room in Philadelphia, just an outpouring of emotions because guys had worked so hard that entire season. There had been ups and downs. There had been pots from certain sports writers to different guys on the team. There had been successes. And, and to have it culminate with a celebration in the locker room on the road in Philadelphia what was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to land in L.A. and we got off the plane. And I'm telling you, there were crowds of people waiting for the plane when we landed. Oh, yeah. And then to, and then to get on the freeway. Everywhere you looked, there were those Lakers flags. Just people were flying them in, in, in the cars, in traffic in L.A. Driving home from the charter, people were driving up next to me, yelling congratulations. It was. It wasn't a championship for the players. It wasn't a championship for the coaches. That was a championship for the city of L.A. And everybody felt it. Everybody participated in it. It was. It was a great time to be on the team. Oh, I bet. So, yeah, then y'all win the title the next year again. Uh, then your last year, 2002-2003, uh, I've talked to a few guys about this. i talked to Tracy Murray, everybody. But that series for San Antonio, your last year there, um, San Antonio went up 2-0 at home. You guys came back, won games three and four in L.A. And then in game five, y'all were down big in the fourth quarter. I want to say it was, it was close to 20, if not 20. Y'all had a great comeback. Kobe caught fire. I remember Gennaro Pargo and Slava making big shots. But then that last shot by Robert Ory, I don't think I've ever seen a ball go that far in and pop out. Like Even if you watch the replay now, that, that shot went in. That's not like a regular in and out. It was so insane. Um, what do you remember about that particular shot, that game, or the, and even the mood afterwards? Was it, or I guess when that game ended and when that series ended. Well, you're talking about the series we lost. Right? That, yes, that was... the series you lost Yeah, versus Spurs. Yeah, that was a painful time because Robert had made so many huge shots for us during that stretch. And I remember Rob took the shot, and I I thought it was in also. I thought the ball yeah. was down, and it popped out. And I, I just – we all were in pain because we had grown so accustomed to Robert just making every single big shot. But I, Robert's human too. Nobody makes every single big shot. Yeah. Um, and, and that one went out. And so we got eliminated, and then we went back to L.A., and, and the mood the mood was they, they had to break up the team. And so certain guys weren't brought back. Um, and, for example, Robert went elsewhere and, and had success. You know, it, it, the feeling was things had kind of run its course. Oh, and the yeah. next year, obviously, yeah, the next year, I wasn't on the team that year, but the Lakers made it to the finals played against Detroit, but it, it you know, it, it didn't culminate with a championship. And that was kind of the, the end of the Shaq and Kobe dynasty um, yeah. at that time. 
Uh, you did play that team, as that's what I wanted to ask you. You did play that team. So that was your first year in Minnesota, playing in playing them in the conference finals. I mean, so was that? I would imagine that would have been really strange or really weird for you playing your former team in such a heavily, you know, contested, uh, intense series like that. Was that? Did you have like all types of emotions going on, or was it easy just to focus on the game, or how did you go about that? Well, for me, I loved it because. Because I knew the offense. I mean, we're, we're oh, yeah. sitting there game plan it. Yeah, and I knew the triangle offense, so I was able to feed our coaches a lot of information about it. And so I, I was loving it. And then when I would play out there, I, I knew what was coming. Uh-huh. Um, it, it it was weird playing against the triangle as an opponent versus playing in it. Yeah, it, it was easier to defend in that first year, right when I was done with the Lakers, because it was still fresh in my mind. In later right. years. Um, it became a little bit tougher. Just it was more removed. You know, you still know it, but it's just your reactions aren't quite as quick because you don't play against it every single day in practice. You know, I'm probably one of the few Laker fans who will admit this. I think that series could have been potentially very different with a healthy Sam Cassell. Did you guys think that too? Like going through the series and then once it ended, that you know, if we had had our you know a healthy starting five, a healthy Sam Cassell, like maybe you're going to the finals. Well, I, I will say this. That year in Minnesota, we, we didn't lose too many games. Um, yeah. Sam, uh, we didn't. You know, Sam Cassell was an all-star, I think, that year, along with – wait a minute. I can't remember. Was Sam an all-star that year? I think he was. I think that may have been his, maybe his only all-star year. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Yep. I, I think yeah. Sam was an all-star, and I'm telling you, we were rolling that year in Minnesota. I mean, we were playing yeah. well. So I just, I just remember the series against the Lakers was a phenomenal series. And you mentioned Sam Cassell. I, I mean, I'll think about if Kareem Rush wouldn't have gotten hot in three. Yeah. <laughs> we we would have won game six. We would have won game six. But Kareem kind of took it over and, and just started knocking down threes and, and, and doing what he does. And, and it went a different direction. Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah, that was a great series. I mean, you guys had home court. Um, and I think it'll split the first two. Lakers won games three and four. Minnesota came back in game five. But, yeah, game six with Kareem. That's a guy. He – we've talked a little bit about a podcast, and then he went silent on me. So, I'm going to have to get him again down the road. Yeah, you got to get him. You got to get him back on. It was, yeah, I mean, we were emailing back and forth for a long time, just trying to find a time. And then uh, – stopped responding so i didn't want to bug him but i'll, I'll hit him up again at some point right right so yeah talking a little bit about more about your minnesota time uh do you probably do you get this question a lot like people ask you to compare compare kevin garnett's and kobe's intensity you know i i don't get that question too often but very similar intensity i mean kobe's a guy who who cares so much about winning and, and kg's the same way and both those guys have won at the highest level kobe winning championships in la Kevin Garnett leading a great Minnesota team and then going to Boston and, and winning a, a world title there. The, the one thing that stands out about both those guys is just how consistent they both are. I mean, two creatures of habit who were incredibly consistent with their work ethic. Everyone, a lot of other players have shared great uh, Kobe work ethic stories, but do you have one that you could share about Garnett? Well, I remember uh, in my first three weeks in Minnesota. Um, my first three weeks, Kevin Garnett missed a practice. And, and I asked the parents, I said, where's KG? And they said he was sick. And and so Kevin came in the next day and he, 
I said, man, I hope you're feeling better. And he said, uh, he said, that's the first practice I, that he had missed in, in four years due to sickness. Uh-huh. And, and so, you know, I, I, I kind of just, I, I didn't really know quite what to think because I was still getting to know him. But I think that's the only practice I ever saw him miss for any reason. Oh, wow. And, and so, you know, KG is just a guy that he's a workhorse. The guy didn't miss games. He didn't miss practices. And he, and he practiced as hard as he played in the games, which, which makes him unique and makes him special. Yeah, a terrific player and a Laker killer. Says, I, yeah, that team, I mean, as a Celtic and as a Timberwolf, seemed like he was always up to play L.A. <laughs> right. And I was going to ask you one more Kobe question. Was there anything that – so you were the assistant coach there, I guess, his last – was it his last three seasons maybe? Um, last two. Oh, last two. Okay. Last two seasons. Was there anything – and I know he obviously was well out of his prime and numerous injuries and everything going on, but was there anything that surprised you uh, as a coach versus, you know, what you saw day in, day out as a teammate? I'll say this. I'll say this, Jeff. When I played with Kobe in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. Kobe had an unbelievable intensity. I mean, he he had that that brashness, and and he just he there was such an edge to him in a good way. When I was when I coached him almost 10 years later, Kobe still had the same intensity. He still mm-hmm. had the same. He still this, his skill level was even more enhanced. He didn't have the supporting cast. I mean, that's clear. But he, mm-hmm. he had mellowed. He, he had mellowed a little bit. Um, yeah. It, it's hard for me to describe. But but it was he, he was different. But but not in a bad way. It, it just it was just different than, than what I experienced as a player. Okay, well, that's about all I had. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to do this Lakers theme podcast I got going on and. Uh... Best luck with everything with Utah Valley this season going forward. Hey, Jeff, I really appreciate it, man. It's it's awesome what you're doing and uh, excited to to learn more about the podcast and hear some of my teammates on there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I can send uh, the same, you know, same channel I went through to get to you, send you uh, links to former episodes, and uh, a lot of them have some great stories. Some Sometimes your name pops up a few times. So, yeah, I'll be happy to share those with you. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. Cool. Take care. Thanks again, Mark. Okay. Thanks. Take care. Bye.